And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to Shout Out. I'm Andy Shilton. And I'm Laura Lanamy. And on today's show, Hadaya. Uh, they're back with their monthly catch up. People versus the climate change. Uh, we talked to the producer of the series, Steve Smith. And Harvey Milk. Uh, Hans takes a look at the man that changed our rights in America in a Queer History feature length special. All coming today. Right here on Shout Out. I think this is the closest we've all geographically been in God knows how long. It's oh, we're still not all in the studio together. Geographically, as in like you know, well, I don't know. How do you explain that without using the word geographically? Um, 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 physically, <laughs> on on the yeah. face of the planet. So you're not it's in London, was what I meant, basically. And, ah, you know, I see, I see. Uh, Andy's just down the road. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I keep thinking Mr. Tosh is miles away, and he's not actually, is he? So he's not. <laughs> no, he's, he's only just a couple of roads away from me, he's mm. down over the hill. Have we all been enjoying the the easing of lockdown? So, Lara, you've got a party yeah. by now, surely? <laughs> no, oh, I no. Well, have we lost Lara? Oh, we've no, lost I'm Lara. I'm still here. Oh, um, I was just listening. <laughs> no, I'm still here. Um, it did. It did freak out a little bit, to be honest. It's because obviously, Matt. Well, yeah, Matthew's road is protected from me, so my internet naturally just cut out. So I can't know where he lives. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just did a little bit of like because um, yeah, I can't know. It's protected by the. the that's the why the people were coming in the the helicopter, Steffi. Um, really ah, so it's for you. Yeah, I'm an international spy. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. I know so, I look so good in black. They'll like make her a spy. Um, for, for the listeners, we we are pre-recording still because we can't get in the studio, and we had to delay the start by a minute or two because a huge great chinook just went over Steffi's house, and we could hear the bass rumble coming through on everything. So um, mm, it's a reference to the helicopter. <laughs> so. Uh, anyway, uh, Pat show, and we got a lovely feature coming up later on as well about someone um, who um, um, is very dear to my art, to uh, Harvey Milk. Um, if you're not aware of the story, it's a fantastic one, and uh, uh, we'll be covering it in a bit more detail later on. But first off, uh, let's go over and catch up with Hidaya. My five on shout out. Dear Shoutout Radio listeners, my name is Usman, my pronouns are he, him, and I identify as a gay Muslim man. I volunteer for an organisation called Hedaya. Our mission is to provide support for queer Muslims and promote social justice and education around the queer Muslim community to counter discrimination, prejudice and injustice. Today's segment, I'd like to discuss the importance of family and community. As we come to the end of the holy month of Ramadan, I've been talking to fellow queer Muslims around the importance of family and community. Cultural and religious beliefs can sometimes drive queer Muslims away from their families. And especially during Islamic holidays, community and family focus, they can really amplify the sense of isolation for queer Muslims. This reminded me of a conversation I had with a fellow queer Muslim 
a few years ago, and he explained, One thing that I have learnt from the people around me who are not my blood but are incredibly dear to me is that they are also my family. This to some probably sounds wishy-washy, but it's nothing less than the truth. These people love me unconditionally, and I love them the same. But why is the question that we need to ponder over? We may not be related by blood, but we are deeply connected by challenges and hardships we face as LGBT plus people. That is the commonality that we cannot share with our families. Our families were chosen for us, be it good or bad. But the people we have a connection with due to commonality is a choice, and those relationships, in my opinion, are stronger. Our families make every effort to dehumanise us. Our friends are the people who make us feel human again. They value and love us for the human beings that we are internally. They do not look at us and judge our entire existence on our identity. To them, me is me, no matter what, they see just me. They are the ones who are the constant reminder of my self-worth. Thus, is blood thicker than water? Are family ties more important to us than other relationships we create? The question is of debate, depending on what angle you're looking or arguing from. I'm certainly not here to advocate anyone breaking ties with family members no matter what the challenge is. As hard as that sounds, it's not what Allah expects from us. Yes, we can distance ourselves from difficult family members, but can we really ever sever ties with them? However, personally, I think they seem to be better at this than we are by far. So this boils down to choosing your friends carefully. For I say that replaces a void in our lives which cannot be fulfilled when family are not there or often choose not to be there. These people are not your blood, are the ones who come to your aid when you need it the most and become the pillars which we need to lean on. Even when our challenges feel like our entire world is about to lose control, those pillars in times of chaos are the ones who keep you upright without being told or asked. Last week, Ali Fazli Manfarid a 20-year-old gay Iranian man was allegedly killed in an honour killing by some of his family members after they found out he was gay. Today, in some countries, cultural attitudes in society towards homosexuality are a literal life-or-death problem. What compounds the problem is when the laws of state do not provide any protection. Please help us raise awareness of the struggles faced by queer Muslims in the UK but also around the world. Please follow us on our social media platforms such as Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Our tag is Hadaya LGBT. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a story you could tell in five minutes, get in contact. Visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Uh, that is uh, Chloe Payne, um, who is a pop artist down in Hampshire. Uh, hello really to like you. That song. Uh, yeah, so really? she's inspired by the mu- uh, music from um, Lizzo and Julepa, Bruno uh, Mars. Yeah, uh, she's trying to put her own stamp mm. on pop um, with her repertoire yeah, of catchy tracks. Uh, she hopes to resonate with the LGBT community and acts as a role model for younger generations who may be struggling with their sexuality. There you go. That's from Ooh, from. Chloe herself, that one. Um, I think um, uh, she sent it in to us, didn't she, Steph? 
Yeah, she did. We had um, her when she was part of Mango, uh, the pop band, on quite a while ago. Um, oh, right. And that's, that's out uh, this Friday. Oh, nice. Wow. Sounds good. Be sure to cool. check it out, people. That is a beautiful song. Mm, yeah. Um, you're going to hate me for the rest of this, though, Lara, because it is, of course, like... Um, um, well, it's it's, it's it's it's. Oh it's, my god! I see Abba Waterloo, and I can't even. No, but why? <laughs> what, what's happening this weekend, Sarah? I can't even. I'm gonna just odd because I can't. I'm I mean, sorry. it's like it's the one. It, it's a bit like you know, like when the FA Cup's on and um, all the football fanatics. Because I'm not gonna be mm. um, sexist or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. Like, leave me alone. I'm watching football. Well, this is yeah. what happens with gay men this coming weekend when a certain event's on. I'll give it I'm, to you. I'll leave I'm it to a, you. It's called Eurovision. Yeah. No, I, I know what it is. But uh, yeah, but well, I was waiting for you to <laughs> say. You, gay men didn't claim Eurovision. That's a that's a whole queer thing. It's like y'all it's, can't it's, just be playing any music you want just because it's a gay iconic. I event. can. I can. I can play any music I like, especially if it annoys you. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say that there, there are some great <laughs> Eurovision you. hits out there. Um, Is there? There's things tell like Conchita yeah. Verse, oh. Rise Like okay, a Phoenix. No, don't, because I know Andy knows. Yeah. Uh, there's what there's one called uh, called Eurovision by Telex, which wow. was a Belgian entry from 1980. Oh, fairy tale coming up by Alexander Ryback. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Anyway, that's fine. Um, that's fine. Should, should let's we... get to the news. Yeah, let's get the news, Terry. <laughs> Save me, Terry. This is Shout Out News Headlines on Thursday the 20th of May. Bristol has lost and gained some spaces during the period of lockdown, which has been harsh on small businesses. Many LGBTQ and progressive meeting places have gone under, such as Milk Teeth, which was on the corner between Portland Square and Bishop Street. However, as one door closes, another proverbially opens, and the misfortune of one much-loved business might allow another to thrive. Aaron Anura and Sophia Khan are taking on the empty unit and promise an LGBTQ and cutie pop cafe and bookstore, catering for the whole community and championing literature that is not generally available in the city. Triple Co, a fair trade company, uh, coffee roastery, founded on Stokes Croft and now based in Montpellier, will be providing the coffee at the newly launched space called Hidden Corner, and a bar known as Sars Bar, run by Sarah Benfield, focusing on sustainability and specialising in organic cider, will also be on the premises. Netflix have announced that New for June in its releases on streaming television will be the documentary Hating Peter Tatchell, a documentary look at the life and times of perhaps Britain's most well-known single activist for LGBTQ freedom, but whose interests also include animal welfare, vegetarianism, social justice for workers, fair trade and even home rule for the small Celtic nation of Cornwall. With contributions from friends and opponents such as Ian McKellen and Stephen Fry, the documentary looks at how the LGBTQ community was deeply divided on Mr Tatchell's activism in the 90s, but how gradually he has managed to become something of a national hero, even for the moderate wing of the gay movement. The documentary promises to explore some of the themes that have underpinned this change in LGBTQ politics. And speaking of whom, Peter Tatchell has published some proposals for an alternative march to the main London Pride Festival, which is scheduled for the 11th of September. Mr Tatchell, who is on the left of the LGBTQ 
LGBTQ movement, says that he wants to get back to the spirit of the early gay pride marches in London, which were self-organised on a non-profit basis. He's not alone, as there are other groups across the more radical wings of the political spectrum who are also critical of Pride London in recent years. The anarchist-leaning Solidarity Federation, which advocates gay and trans liberation as part of a wider overthrow of capitalism, also tweeted this week that it favoured, quote, queer liberation, not capitalist assimilation. Nevertheless, most of the centre ground of the LGBTQ movement hold that a mixture of strategies is necessary to achieve freedom. One gay man tweeted, Peter is usually right and I have nothing against the radical groups, but the capitalist sponsors that they criticise do allow pride to go ahead and they also impact positively on heterosexual people's attitudes. One of the UK's largest organisations for LGBTQ Muslims, Hedaya, published on Wednesday a brief post in solidarity with the people of Palestine in the wake of increased conflict between the neighbouring states of Israel and Palestine. This conflict in the Middle East continues to prove very dividing within the wider LGBTQ communities, with people expressing support for differing factions depending on their politics, their background, religion and outlook. On Saturday the 22nd of May it is World Goth Day, an important cultural and aesthetic movement since the Romance period of the 18th century. Goths today are usually associated with certain types of music, dress and philosophy. Goths tend to have anti-authoritarian politics and most of them we have met express little prejudice whether other people are gay, trans, asexual or any other category. Goths alongside punks, metalers and other subcultural groups are regularly attacked and harassed by repressive state authorities in many countries such as Poland, Belarus and Russia. In England, a 20-year-old goth woman called Sophie Lancaster was murdered because of her appearance by a gang of macho youths in 2007. Her family created a charity to campaign for awareness and tolerance of subcultural groups. And finally, it will be fraternal felicitations as the Eurovision Song Contest grand finale takes place on Saturday evening. Yes, it still has a special place in many LGBTQ hearts and in recent years the songs and dances have themselves begun to reflect the fact that this is a contest with a very strong queer following. To the frustration of homophobes, religious extremists and political fascists like the breadth of the continent, the contest manages to swing on year by year, promoting a message of peace through music arguably more important than ever. The British coverage will start on Saturday at 7pm on BBC One and on BBC Radio Two, and this year the contest comes from gay-friendly Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Our insiders say that France is particularly interesting this year, but of course, who knows what will happen on the night with the contest's camp, idiosyncratic and perhaps even deranged voting process. All round, we say, douze points. For these news stories in further detail and much, much more, you can check out our website at shoutoutradio.lgbt. And for Shoutout News, I've been Terry Starr. Shoutout News. National and international LGBT news for you. Yeah, it tends to be UK nil Never mind. We do try year after year. Anyway, uh, Lara, sing along because it's uh... shout out LGBT radio for you. Right up your street, Lara. You'll love this one. The shout out podcast. That's a fairy tale by uh, Alexander Ryback. <laughs> Lara loved it so much she took her headphones off. <laughs> 
I couldn't. I'm sorry. I tried my best, people. I really did. I gave it my best shot. You can't. No, you can't diss the ABBA. You can't diss the ABBA. You'll, you'll get you'll have. get lynched by every LGBT plus person if you diss, diss the ABBA. Lynch me, see what it does. I'll have a whole press conference. So, I swear to God. Um, Andy, come on, you're you're our record facts person. Alexander Ryback, fairy tale. It was uh, 2009, and it was the winner for uh, Norway. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, well, there's, now there are there are some quite good ones out there that are quite funny. Where you look at the win- the names of the tracks and the winners. Uh, well, I had to I had to. Fi- I'll be finishing later off with uh, Rise Like a Phoenix, which of course caused a massive stir because Conchita Verse went on stage with a beard, and Russia wouldn't even broadcast it, which I just thought was yes. hilarious. Um, <laughs> you know. Anyway, but talking of other things that we're really passionate about, I like a lot of people I know, and apparently, um, statistically, if you're LGBT plus, you're more likely to be more. Um, um, knowledgeable about climate change and more of an activist of that kind of thing. Uh, there's a series been on the BBC and Steph caught up with uh, the producer, Steve Smith. Have a listen to this. I think whatever your views on climate change, whatever you feel, uh, the science actually proves that this is happening, it's real, and all of us have to play a part in that. And helping that along, Steve Smith and his colleagues have produced what is an absolutely fantastic climate consciousness film, uh, which is available on BBC iPlayer. And it doesn't matter whether you're gay, straight, cis, trans, it's going to affect all of us. You know, and it's no good hiding your head in the sand because it's real. Steve, tell us a bit of the background of um, how you come up with the idea of the film. Hi, Steph. Yeah, good to speak to you. And, you know, you know me because we've spoken in the past as the director of the Graham Norton show. So, you know, I've, I've worked in telly for a long time, directing entertainment shows. But I've also been passionate about climate change for a long time and realised that it's a really important problem for us all to sort of find a way of solving And uh, a few years ago, I decided I wanted to try and tell some of these stories. So we launched a new production company called Picture Zero last year. And just as we launched, we heard about the UK Parliament commissioning a citizens' assembly on climate change. And that just seemed like a really interesting idea for us to sort of uh, try and tell as a story. So I contacted Rachel Reeves, MP, who was one of the select committee chairs that had um, instigated this climate assembly and sort of said, you know, could, could we um, make a documentary about it? And uh, we were kind of connected with the right people. We kind of had several meetings and they gave us exclusive access to this process. Now, that's excellent. Now, I think we ought to emphasise the fact that you've involved ordinary people. Absolutely. The whole point of the Citizens' Assembly was to try and get ordinary members of the public to learn about climate change and then to try and come up with some of the solutions to deal with climate change. And for me, this is what was so exciting about it. You know, there's been quite a few programmes about climate change, you know, not not enough, but quite a few programmes on TV in the past. But they always tend to look at it in this very apocalyptic um, kind of disaster kind of way. And of course, it's true because climate change is really serious. It's impacting us in very severe ways. But I think sometimes when you just focus on the problem, um, that can put people off and make people feel very helpless and small and not quite knowing what they can do about it. 
So I think it's really important that in climate coverage on TV, we need to start focusing on solutions. Climate change is here and now. The crucial question, how to get to net zero emissions by 2050? You could be one of over 100 people selected to take part in the UK-wide Citizens' Assembly. You're bringing together a perfect sample of the country to discuss the issue. What do I know about climate change? Not a lot. The question we're facing is of the utmost importance. I'd like to see it proved. How much is naturally the earth warming up against what we're doing to it? People are just so unwilling to change their lifestyle. The Climate Assembly is the public telling the politicians what needs to be done. I'm scared for my children and their children. We can't go backwards. Just get it done. This film was an opportunity to engage real people. So it's not scientists, it's not Attenborough, it's not Greta, it's not politicians. These are real people that have gone and learnt about it and then they've come up with the solutions themselves. I often say to people, you know, if you, if you want to think what the programme's like, imagine asking the kind of cast of Gogglebox to come up with a solution to climate change. <laughs> Great analogy there, Steve. Yeah, well, that's what it is. And it's been fascinating, you know, because these people have just gone on a tremendous journey. In the programme, you've got someone like Sue, who is an, an amazing woman from Bath. At the beginning of the show, she kind of a, thought it was a hoax when she got this letter from the House of Commons asking the her to take part and then B she just says I don't know anything about climate change you know so what am I going to do and of course as she goes on that journey with everybody else she she learns the facts her life's completely changed as a result of it I mean she's come out um, she's actually engaged in politics for the first time in her life she's joined her local parish council she has declared a climate emergency in her village which I think is is Freshford just outside Bath and uh, she's also bought an electric vehicle for the first time. I mean, Sue says having an electric car is a bit like having a mobile phone, except it's bigger and it takes you places. But she sort of says the <laughs> principle is the same. You know, you just plug it in to charge it like you plug in a mobile phone to charge it. Mm. Um, you know, she, she's brilliant. And, and there's, you know, we followed a lot of other characters like her through this film, seeing that emotional connection that real people have to climate change is, is just so fantastic. Um, and I hope what it does is inspires other people, other viewers, when they watch this film, to sort of, first of all, kind of feel that there are solutions that they can get involved with and actually, you know, realise that, you know, there are lots of opportunities to solve climate change. You know, it's, it's not a done deal that the planet's going to fry. You know, we all have a, a role to play. I mean, we've got to get on and do it very quickly because the planet is in a very serious position. You know, we've got eight and a half years left in which we have to halve our carbon emissions. You know, we've got to halve our current global carbon emissions by 2030. Otherwise, we're not going to stand any chance of stopping temperatures going over 1.5 degrees um, C, which is which is very serious if that happens. Mm. So we all have to get on with this. Does it, does it worry you when countries go backwards, like when Trump was in, you've got Bolsonaro in um, Brazil, you've got Putin in Russia, and all of those of uh, um, climate uh, change deniers, does that worry you? Um, well, it, it, it does in, the, in that the whole world has to come together and play its part. But, you know, despite Trump, you know, what was interesting in America is, 
is all the governors of a lot of the states carried on kind of taking climate change really seriously. And so all the different states were doing their bits and reducing uh, carbon emissions anyway. Um, and of course, you know, Biden has come in, he's made climate change a huge priority. You know, the Americans have had very ambitious uh, carbon reduction targets that were announced um, a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, as a result, they're taking a leadership role. Um, you know, they're working very hard to try and help the UK bring other countries on side. You know, why this is so important for us at the moment is because the UK has a leadership role in this. You know, we are hosting COP26 in Glasgow in November. And COP26 is the, the most important climate conference um, that we've ever had. The, the one that people will know a lot about is COP21, which was the Paris Climate Agreement in 2015. And that was the first time in 21 years that the, the world came together to, to kind of work out uh, a policy for trying to tackle climate change and to agree that we wanted to stop global warming going ideally over 1.5 degrees, but certainly we didn't want it to go over 2 degrees. And what happened back then in Paris is that they came up with these sort of this, this plan but actually, um, what's got to happen in Glasgow is that we actually now have to announce the policies that are going to make that happen. You know, what are, the, what are the policies that will allow us to reduce our emissions to stop temperatures rising? And um, so that, that is, you might be alarmed or you might be pleased. This is down to Boris Johnson and Alex Sharma, who are hosting COP26. You know, this is where the UK has to take leadership in climate change. And... Um, you know, I think the evidence is that countries now really get it and they want to work really hard to do this. Mm. Well, let's hope that um, the uh, the seminar that does take place in Scotland uh, comes out with a lot of positive stuff. And I know technology is leaping forward. Um, I was reading this morning about uh, new batteries, um, lithium metal, that could be an absolute huge step forward for um, for battery cars. Yes. I mean, you know, the, the great thing is, you know, we are getting lots of sort of technical advances. You know, there, there is, you know, the possibility that technology will, will help us on this journey. I mean, already we know that renewable energy is now cheaper than fossil fuel energy. You know, the price of producing renewable energy, whether it's from um, wind turbines or solar panels or, or kind of, you know, sort of tidal and wave energy, you know, these prices have come down significantly, which, which help us on this journey. Um, but there is a danger here that we have to be aware of, and that is that um, we can't hope that technology is going to happen soon enough to solve this problem alone. Right. Actually, we have to stop emitting the carbon in the first place, which means all of us are going to have behaviour change decisions that we're going to need to make over the next decade. You know, how we eat, you know, we need to try and reduce the amount of, of red meat that we eat. How we travel, you know, can we travel in, in low carbon ways? You know, the, the Climate Assembly um, investigates things like a frequent um, flyer tax. You know, do, do we need to, to tax the people that do all these business trips, you know, more than people that go on holidays, you know, once a year? How, how we shop, you know, how we consume, how we use our homes, you know, all these things are things that we're going to have to focus on because we have to stop emitting carbon, you know. That the world currently emits around 51 billion tonnes of carbon a year, and that has to go down to about sort of 24, 25 billion tonnes of carbon by 2030. Wow. It's a huge challenge. Now, Steve, we've completely run out of time. It's going to be on the, the BBC iPlayer. Uh, can you give us a website address so people can read more about uh, what you're up to? 
Yeah, so the program is out now. It's called The People Versus Climate Change, and it's available for the next year on the BBC iPlayer. And if you want to know more about it, you can always find out more at picturezero.com. Steve Smith, thank you so much for your time. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Uh, infamous um, Eurovision winners themselves. That's ABBA on uh, Waterloo. Uh, never least bad one. Least bad one. one. I mean, <laughs> the most, well, no, actually, no. Uh, that's one. I would have respected you if you did that, but you didn't. Uh, so. well, that wasn't in Eurovision. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't in Eurovision, no. So. That was anyway, a um, interview though, Steffi. Yeah, lie. really good I'm interview. A, I'm yeah. a scientist and I loved it. I was now, ready to like slam it, but it was great. <laughs> Lara, have you heard of a guy called Harvey Milk? Uh, yeah. You have, cool. Well, yeah, uh, for those of you young. that haven't, I'm not saying you are, I was only asking if you'd heard of him. Um, mm-hmm. It's Harvey Milk Day on uh, Saturday, <laughs> which is the annual day um, to remember him. Um, if you can still get it, there is a film called Milk that was available on um, Netflix for a while, uh, depending on uh, which re- it's really good. region you're in. It's really worth having a read. If you're really not sure good. who he is, his queer story and hands with um, a bit more detail. Harvey Milk was known as a visionary civil and human rights leader. When he won a seat on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, he became one of the first openly gay elected officials in the United States. Milk was known for his quick wit, brilliant sense of humour and overall theatrical presence, all of which contributed to him becoming a very popular figure. He was unapologetic and his election gave hope to LGBTQIA people at a time when the community was constantly experiencing hostility and discrimination. It was in 1972 that Milk moved to San Francisco and opened a camera store on Castro Street, which was right at the heart of the city's growing LGBTQIA community. LGBTQIA people quickly became aware of it, and it became a place to meet with other like-minded people where they felt safe, valued, and a space where they could truly be themselves. After a year in San Francisco, he declared his candidacy for the San Franciscan Board of Supervisors. Milk had drifted through life up to this point, but he found his vocation, according to journalist Francis Fitzgerald, who called him a born politician. Milk said there is a major difference and it remains a vital difference between a friend and a gay person, a friend in office and a gay person in office. And it's not enough anymore just to have friends represent us, no matter how good that friend may be. In 1975, Milk was established as the leading political spokesman for the Castro's vibrant gay community. From the history of other minority groups in America, he knew that the only way to truly achieve equality would be for a gay person to be elected to public office. One supporter noted that Harvey could galvanise people. He was like a lightning rod. He had electricity in him. 
During a speech Milk made at the June 1978 Gay Freedom Day Parade, he declared, On the Statue of Liberty it says, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. In the Declaration of Independence, it is written all men are created equal, and they are endowed with certain inalienable rights. And in our national anthem, it says, Oh say does that star-spangled banner yet wave over the land of the free. For Mr Briggs and Mrs Bryant and all the bigots out there, this is what America is. No matter how hard you try, you cannot erase those words from the Declaration of Independence. No matter how hard you try, you cannot chip those words off the base of the Statue of Liberty. And no matter how hard you try, you cannot sing the star-spangled banner without those words. That's what America is. Love it or leave it. Milk's most famous speech, now known as Hope Speech, started with a joke. My name is Harvey Milk and I'm here to recruit you. On that national coming out day in the midst of an election year with a record number of LGBTQIA plus candidates, Milk's message about the importance of electing openly gay officials is important to remember. So as we celebrate Harvey Milk Day, we feel it's important to reflect on his speech again. About six months ago, Anita Bryant, in her Speaking to God, said that the drought in California was because of the gay people. On November 9, the day after I got elected, it started to rain. On the day I got sworn in, we walked to City Hall and it was kind of nice. And as soon as I said the word, I do, it started to rain again. It's been raining since then, and the people of San Francisco figure the only way to stop it is to do a recall petition. So much for that. Why are we here? Why are gay people here? And what's happening? Let's look at 1977. In 1977, gay people had their rights taken away from them in Miami. But you must remember that in the week before Miami and the week after that, the word homosexual or gay appeared in every single newspaper in this nation in articles both pro and con. In every radio station, in every TV station and every household. For the first time in the history of the world, everybody was talking about it, good or bad. Unless you have dialogue, unless you open the walls of dialogue, you can never reach to change people's opinion. Once you have dialogue starting, you know you can break down prejudice. In 1977, we saw a dialogue start. In 1977, we saw a gay person elected in San Francisco. What that is, is a record of what happened last year. What we must do is make sure that 1978 continues this movement. I know we are pressed for time, so I'm going to cover just one more little point. That is to understand why it is important that gay people run for office and that gay people get elected. I know there are many people in this room who are running for central committee who are gay. I encourage you. There's a major reason why. If my non-gay friends and supporters in this room understand it, they'll probably understand why I've run so often before I finally made it. You see, there is a major difference 
and it remains a vital difference between a friend and a gay person. A friend in office and a gay person in office. Gay people have been slandered nationwide. We've been tarred and we've been brushed with the picture of pornography. In Dade County, we were accused of child molestation. It's not enough anymore just to have friends represent us, no matter how good that friend may be. The black community made up its mind to that a long time ago, that the myths against blacks can only be dispelled by electing black leaders, so the black community could be judged by the leaders and not by the myths or black criminals. The Spanish community must not be judged by Latin criminals or myths. The Asian community must not be judged by Asian criminals or myths. The Italian community must not be judged by the mafia, myths. And the time has come when the gay community must not be judged by our criminals and myths. Like every other group, we must be judged by our leaders and by those who are themselves gay, those who are visible. For invisible, we remain in limbo, a myth, a person with no parents, no brothers, no sisters, no friends who are straight, no important positions in employment. A tenth of the nation supposedly composed of stereotypes and would-be seducers of children, and no offence meant to the stereotypes. But today... The black community is not judged by its friends, but by its black legislators and leaders. And we must give people the chance to judge us by our leaders and legislators. A gay person in office can set a tone, can command respect, not only from the larger community, but from the young people in our own community who need both examples and hope. The first gay people we elect must be strong. They must not be content to sit at the back of the bus. They must not be content to accept pabulum. They must be above wheeling and dealing. They must be, for the good of all of us, independent, unbought. The anger and the frustrations that some of us feel is because we are misunderstood and friends can't feel the anger and frustration. They can sense it in us, but they can't feel it, because a friend has never gone through what is known as coming out. I will never forget what it was like coming out and having nobody to look up toward. I remember the lack of hope, and our friends can't fulfil it. I can't forget the looks on faces of people who've lost hope, be they gay, be they seniors, be they blacks looking for an almost impossible job, be they Latins trying to explain their problems and aspirations in a tongue that's foreign to them. I personally will never forget that people are more important than buildings. I use the I word because I'm proud. I stand here tonight in front of my gay sisters, brothers and friends because I'm proud of you. I think it's time that we have many legislators who are gay and proud of the fact and do not have to remain in the closet. I think that a gay person up front will not walk away from a responsibility and be afraid of being tossed out of office. 
After Dade County, I walked among the angry and the frustrated night after night, and I looked at their faces. And in San Francisco, three days before Gay Pride Day, a person was killed just because he was gay. And that night, I walked among the sad and the frustrated at City Hall in San Francisco, and later that night as they lit candles on Castro Street and stood in silence, reaching out for some symbolic thing that would give them hope. These were strong people whose faces I knew from the shop, the streets, meetings and people who I never saw before but I knew. They were strong but even they needed hope. And the young gay people who are coming out and hear Anita Bryant on television and her story, the only thing they have to look forward to is hope. And you have to give them hope. Hope for a better world. Hope for a better tomorrow. Hope for a better place to come to if the pressures at home are too great. Hope that all will be all right. Without hope, not only gays, but the blacks, the seniors, the handicaps, the usses, the usses will give up. And if you help elect to the Central Committee and other officers more gay people, that gives a green light to all who feel disenfranchised. A green light to move forward. It means hope to a nation that has given up. Because if a gay person makes it, the doors are open to everyone. So if there is a message I have to give... It is that I found one overriding thing about my personal election. It's the fact that if a gay person can be elected, it's a green light. And you, and you, and you, you have to give people hope. Milk's powerful hope speech literally gave people hope. And his work has had an enormous long-term effect on progressive politics and on the LGBTQIA plus community itself. Milk served almost 11 months in office, but unfortunately his political career came to a tragic end on November 27, 1978, when he and San Francisco Mayor George Moscone were assassinated by Dan White, a disgruntled ex-city supervisor who had demanded his job back after resigning weeks earlier. Despite Milk's passing, his progressive coalition in San Franciscan politics created a legacy of gay tolerance in San Francisco and a model for gay rights advocacy nationwide. The work he did to promote tolerance and equality earned him a posthumous Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2009 and led Time magazine to name him as one of the most influential people of the 20th century and led the state of California to name a holiday after him on his birthday, May 22nd. In 2002, Milk was called the most famous and most significantly open LGBTQIA plus official ever elected in the United States. And Cronenberg, his final campaign manager, wrote of him, What set Harvey apart from you or me was that he was a visionary. He imagined a righteous world inside his head and then he set about to create it for real, for all of us. Harvey Milk, born on May 22nd, 1930 died November 27th, 1978. For more-
more information about Shoutout Radio, visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shoutout. LGBT Radio for you. The Shoutout Podcast. Oh, it does sound a bit Bond, that one, doesn't it? That's a Conchita verse. Uh, with rise like a well, phoenix, which is um, I like that one. That was powerful. It's really powerful, I won't lie, isn't it? That's yeah. literally the only one I'll accept. <laughs> <laughs> only because it came after Harvey Milk, and it was perfectly timed. <laughs> I know you, Lara. You reserve the right to change your mind anyway, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, that, that's a good link for making your mind up by box two. <laughs> so now um, I that's should point out song. if um, you were listening to that Harvey milk piece and uh, you'd like to know more um, if you have a search um, of shout outs shows on our website uh, you will find quite a few related to it because we've actually been lucky enough to talk to Harvey Milk's nephew on um, several occasions um, yes, in the past when he's been visiting here in Bristol um, and get a lot more info uh, from him so um, and yeah like I said the film's really inspiring isn't it have any of you seen it yeah, it's actually quite upsetting, but it's also needed. Like, it's part of history the same way as like watching. Like, he mentioned a lot of different communities, which was really interesting in his speech. Um, mm. And he didn't it's very really positive, that. wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's also black and Latino gay people, but like, I get it. Was, it was 1970s, though, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, we, we anyway, uh, that's it for this show. As I said, to find out more about us or to hear other shows uh, about Harvey Milk, including those interviews I mentioned with his nephew, uh, check us out online. Shoutout.radio.lgbt um, is a place to head to. Also, if you'd like to get involved in the show, you'll find ways to contact us there too. Uh, next week we catch up with an old friend of the show called Rosie Wilby uh, but from Ooh, myself from Laura from Andy from Terry from Steph from Hans and from Matthew say bye bye do oh, shout bye. out LGBT radio for you